need to go to school. And who's your daddy? What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the nether world of cults, crims, and con artists. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoistead for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and this week we are looking at the new boogeyman of the conspiracy world, climate lockdown. Is it boogeyman or boogerman, Joel? I don't know. I think there's no boogers left because climate change has killed us all. But most conspiracy theories have a kernel of truth to them. These ones really don't. They're fucking reaching and we'll explain why. But they need to get the punters worried. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to sell fucking supplements. And this is the new dystopian fantasy they're pushing on their gullible flock of dipshit sheep. Yes, Joel, the hysteria of climate lockdowns has started poking up all over the place. Dictator Dan is going to lock you in your suburb and you'll never be allowed to go to Movie World again. Only people that live next door to Movie World be allowed to go to Movie World. That's because um, climate change. Yes. And that sounds dumb because it is. There's nothing even remotely true about their theories, but they love to repeat them ad nauseum because if they're not angry, they're bored. And you wouldn't like cookers when they're bored. I don't really like them generally, to be honest, but yeah. Anyway, look, enough of that. It's my turn to rattle the can this week. We do it every episode. Some of you ignore us, but we're going to keep asking. This dumb script took me fucking ages to write, and in order to find the time for that, I have less time to make money, labour, theory of value, all that sort of shit. So it's you the know, economy. Like, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, cookers don't understand the economy because they don't like work. They're, they're, they're scared of jobs. As you would all be aware, we have a Patreon which can solve all these problems and then some. And not only do you give me more space to write bullshit about morons by joining up, but you also get tons of bonus content and it's all for as little as $5 a month, which is like a coffee at an expensive place. Although yep. two coffees from 7-Eleven. You know they put the price up, those motherfuckers? Anyway, this ham is why I need money. Ham sandwich and a milkshake. It's just it. Well, no, that's twenty. That's twenty. That's that's twenty these days. That's nineteen (laughs) seventies. Anyway, look, join up at Patreon.com/slash Conditional Race Program and just help us get this thing sustainable because it's hard. Yes, yes. Sustainability of this podcast is important. So, listeners, please dig deep. Yeah, it really does help. Uh, even if you have to forego giving your children Christmas presents this year, I think that's yes. fair. Um, they need to learn a lesson. Give them, <laughs> give them Patreon subscriptions to the Conditional Release Program. We'll teach them to swear. We'll teach them about swearing. <laughs> and to our existing patrons, uh, we really do appreciate you and we appreciate uh, some of the contributions we've seen in the last uh, week or so, including yeah. one very, very lovely one from Mastodon today. Yes, that thank was you. very good. Yeah, thanks, mate. Really appreciate that. And as a side note, on the note of thanks, I would like to thank Scott Tunnicliffe on Twitter for sending me the link between the trains and Baby Will because I did see the videos and I saw the cowardice thing. I didn't really read too much into it. I just thought, oh, you know, more bullshit. But it really did make a lot of sense to make that link. And when I went back to it, I thought, yes, no, you've got a bloody good point. And it really, it's this, this sort of stuff that really helps us because we've got so much to think about when we're doing these episodes. There's so many links to deal with and so much to just get across that sometimes a little bit of crowdsourcing can go a long way to helping us just piece it all together, you know? And uh, speaking of trains, which you were about five minutes ago, uh, let's look <laughs> at the root of all evil. Public transport. 
no. In our climate lockdown deeper dive. One of the things taking the conspiracy universe by storm at the moment is the concept of climate lockdowns. Ironically, storms are the thing we're trying to avoid with climate change being a thing. Good luck. When it was observed that emissions were dramatically reduced during COVID lockdowns, climate change organizations, media outlets, they all sort of discussed the way in which a lockdown scenario would impact climate change, lower emissions, and sort of hypothesize about what climate change motivated lockdowns would look like and the effect they would have. As you could imagine, most of the discussion around this was centered around ensuring that such measures were not necessary to save the world as we know it, and that carbon emissions were reduced through reforms that didn't cripple the world economy and fuck everyone over. But conspiracy theorists and climate change deniers have jumped on this as a way to push a fear narrative that will keep people donating money to their dumbass websites and buying fucking supplements don't work well after this sort of COVID-19 hysteria has worn off, which, of course, led to this explosion in conspiracy theory content, talking heads, and, you know, tins that need to be filled with money. So they're just pushing bullshit now. Yeah, look, one of the musings uh, from a lot of climate change deniers is that the world did go through a period uh, around the 12th century known as the medieval global warming period. Mm. And and it certainly certainly is true. I mean, Greenland uh, Greenland was was basically farmable um, throughout that period. And uh, there is, you know, sort of Icelandic uh, runes and what have you that that indicate that uh, the people were there. And then Black Death came along, the bubonic plague, and uh, killed uh, basically two-thirds of the European population. And that (laughs) meant that a lot of uh, uh, arable land was just let go, uh, and and all of a sudden we had uh, climate cooling again. So throughout the 14th, 15th, 16th centuries, it was a very cold place, the world, Uh. certainly in Europe from what we know. Uh, that just doesn't mean that, oh, good old pan, good old fashioned pandemic, bit of the old black death will keep things in, you know, yes. in, perfect, <laughs> in perfect harmony. I've That's got not no what idea. we're saying, really. But certainly the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, uh, not being nearly as bad as the black death, unfortunately, has, has scrambled a lot of brains. It has. It has scrambled a lot of brains. And look, let's face it, if they had antibiotics with the black death, they probably would be fine. But, you know, so be it. In order to push this climate lockdown agenda, Several existing government projects that do exist and are real have been hijacked by right-wing commentators to push the idea that plans to improve cities, yet improve cities, are actually plans to imprison you inside them. Mm-hmm. Sort of geofencing bullshit. And it's actually ridiculous. And I've listened to tons of podcasts on this, and the things they come up with are genuinely funny. Fuck, man. Listening to them talk about cities being improved and being upset about it is just weird. Like, their brains are just these fascinating places to visit. I don't understand how their brains work. But what they'll do is they'll quote something from a legitimate government policy and then say something like, and what next? What next? It's and then of tyranny. Exactly. And then they'll go on about this, all this bullshit about how you can't leave your home and you've got an ankle bracelet now and fucking, you'll you know. You'll nothing and yeah, you'll it, be happy or exactly. you'll be killed. It's so similar to that. We'll go into that later. But fuck me. I mean, like, it's just, it should, this theory is dumb. But it's a dystopian fantasy. It has no basis in fact. And, of course, no. after listening to hours of this nonsense, trying to find something where I can say, okay, there's the kernel of truth, I can't find it. None of it is actually credible. No. Uh, of course, in these situations, when they refer to these government policy documents, they're like, well, it's all there in paper. It's all there in black and white. No, there is a thing saying there's going to be a slippery dip near apartment blocks and that's making your fucking brain melt and you think it's some sort of precursor to a lockdown. You morons. 
Anyway, so look, this is a bit of an adjacent topic to the whole smart cities thing. So I thought I was going to cover it as a bit of a smart cities 2.5, but I've just climate lockdown has been fucking everywhere recently. So they definitely deserve their own episode. But this bizarre opposition to smart cities is one thing. But like being opposed to basic city planning in general, like it's so absurd, it becomes fascinating. God, what yeah, the fuck is smart, wrong with these people? Smart cities are scary for several reasons that we outlined in the episode. A lot of surveillance and measuring and what have yeah, you. Yeah, and there's, there's real being issues. collected there. and harvested. Yeah. But, but the thing is, cookers are fundamentally terrified of change. I mean, they're terrified of clouds. They're terrified of the sky. <laughs> the moon. They're terrified of the moon. And they're also just terrified of anything that's just remotely unusual. Yeah. yeah. Like change. Yeah. yeah. And they are unable and unwilling to understand the concepts behind new technologies, which is another reason they are terrified of the World Economic Forum and futurists like Yuval Noah Harari. Terrified. And they are, of course, a bit worried that they may live in a city that is smarter than they are, which wouldn't be difficult. No, you know? it's not. You know, no. you know, I've got a toaster oven in my kitchen that's smarter than most cookers because it, it can tell the time. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, these... <laughs> These people already blame the deep state for their basic technical issues. This is only going to get worse as the Internet of Things is normalised in daily life. Lights don't work. Maybe the bulb is fucked. Nah, George Soros is angry at your last tweet and has decided you needed some time in the dark. Punishment. (laughs) I really do think like this. It sounds exhausting. It to, is. To just to carry that psychology around with you, like fucking baggage. It must be so exhausting. Just constantly victimised. Like if you watch the live streams of all these sort of cooked protests and stuff like that, they'd have these issues where their batteries are running out or they'd have some sort of issue with their reception or maybe there's just a lot of people in a certain area and the, the towers are getting overwhelmed and they immediately think that it's the government silencing them and you're like, no. No, you're having technical issues for a vast amount of reasons. Yeah. I've been hacked. I've been but- hacked. Partially because you don't understand them. It's like, oh, my God, my phone won't re- rotate. The government, the government. It's like, the no, government. dipshit. What is the government going to do about it? Oh, just so painful to listen to these fuck-ups. But anyway, but that's a, that is a, I think that's a good basis to go from the fact that not only are they sort of scared of change, but they're sort of fundamentally scared of technology and they believe that anything that goes wrong with technology is the government trying to kill them. So if their lights go out, they will think, fuck, George Soros is on to me. I better delete my tweets. Fucking idiots. Anyway, so look, there's three hot topics that are worth looking at. We'll look at these later when it comes to these sort of climate lockdown things. And this is the stuff at the moment, but there's going to be so many more as plans unfold. There's the 20-minute neighbourhood plan in Melbourne, and there's a 15-minute neighbourhood plan in Oxfordshire in the UK because they just want to one-up Melbourne, I suppose. No! Just like... I mean, just be 20 minutes. Don't don't be cooler than us, asshole. There's the six cities plan in New South Wales, which is such a nothing burger. And of course, recently you've probably heard of this if you're, you know, sort of remotely in the sort of cookie universe, which is the Oxfordshire traffic plan, which has been used as a massive Trojan horse to introduce the idea of climate lockdowns into the discourse of gullible conspiracy dipshits. And while the smart cities are the bogeyman on the right, and they're heavily associated with scary-sounding Klaus Schwab and the WEF. He's not Santa at all. He's <laughs> yeah, not no. Santa. Klaus Schwab isn't Santa. He's at least he won't give you coal, Santa though. He Klaus. hates coal. He really, he'll give you a fucking solar panel for Christmas. There you go. You've been a bad boy. Generate some power and shut up. But like, this is the thing. It just turns into a conversation about climate lockdowns. And it's like, what about a 15 minute city is that? But we'll go into that in a bit. 
There's no basis for their claims, just none. And this is a central theme of the episode. One example they often reference is the lockdowns that followed COVID lockdowns in Delhi. They were indeed related to emissions, but it's not climate change, it's pollution. The air is 20 times the safe particle limit recommended by the uh, World Health Organization in Delhi. Air pollution kills people. A situation like this is catastrophic for vulnerable people and to make shorter lives of those who are not. Now, the reason why climate change policy is so easy to demonise is that it's not tangible. This is a problem with climate. Uh, we're, we're trying to get uh, you know climate change deniers to sort of accept it. They you know, can't they, see they, it. You know, they, they look at the weather and go, oh, well, you know, it's sunny today. Yeah, so, Mark Latham, uh, What about cold. that global warming? Yeah, it's cold in it's December. It's raining. Well, what about that? Anyway, Shut the fuck up. Uh, climate, climate deniers simply believe it doesn't exist, you know. Just, so they, they, and they often get terribly confused between weather and climate. In <laughs> Delhi, you can do. see the pollution. Being there, it's just thick, you know, thick, thick in the air. Not just my favourite city. You can actually feel it. People report stinging eyes, sore throats, nausea, breathing difficulties, headaches and lethargy. And to enforce the lockdown, people uh, were recommended to work from home and schools. <clears throat> uh, fire bans reduced uh, smoke emissions and improvements to public transport are being promoted to citizens to reduce transport exhaust. Now, the lockdowns are triggered by a mix of emissions and weather patterns. A, a lack of wind and rain will cause what is called a toxic umbrella effect over the city, trapping particles in the air and causing serious health issues as a result. If you've got any sort of respiratory illness... Um, like asthma or so, so, something of that order. Yeah. I mean, these things are, are just have to be taken seriously. It'll but it's not up. a climate lockdown. This is a desperate city battling a health problem. But cookers are using it as ammunition to push the idea that climate lockdowns are real and will be imposed upon you next. It's ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. But, you know, this is what <laughs> So in September 2020, the ISD, which is the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, we've referenced them before, they're a think tank that sort of seeks to counter disinformation and extremism, mostly online. They identified the climate lockdown trend on social media and started to observe it. And there's this short report called Climate Lockdown and the Culture Wars, How COVID-19 Sparked a New Narrative Against Climate Action. And it's only a few pages long, and it's well worth a look if you Google that, if you want to know more about the way a disinformation campaign just absolutely flourishes into whatever the fuck this mutated form of a fucking, you know, telephone, the politically correct version of Chinese whispers. Now I know that exists. Thank you very much, Jack. Telephone, okay. yes. Cool. Generational information. I've never heard that before. So it's worth noting that a fellow named Stephen Milloy is a huge part of this. I only heard of him researching this, and this is from the report, but he first jumped on the climate lockdown bandwagon, pushing a Guardian article on Twitter that argued that a post-lockdown return to normal should be challenged. Similar to this sort of great reset narrative, you know, like a big crisis point happens and then you perpetuate the the norms that have been created as a result to achieve certain outcomes. This is, of course, using the lockdowns to attempt to create this new normal, which is lockdowns with the input, like with the, you know, the goal of reducing emissions. And I mean, this is kind of bullshit, but this is what he's pushing. This is what the tweet read. Yeah, this is Malloy's tweet. He said, how climate bedwetters hope to translate the hashtag coronavirus lockdown into a climate lockdown. What was once impossible, socialist reckless, in parentheses, now turns out not to be at all. All their words. Sorry, whose who's words were they? That was the Guardian article. So he's quoting the Guardian article there. Yeah, I know. It's a very out of context uh, sort of quote. It's generally saying that something that used to be considered impossible 
now after COVID lockdowns has become normalized and plausible, which is on like a sort of policy level kind of true. But it's a very similar situation to that sort of you'll own nothing hysteria where someone publicly discusses a hypothetical situation in good faith. And it's then turned into this globalist agenda by right-wing actors with vested interests. And Milloy, whoa, that motherfucker's got vested interest. He works for the Heartland Institute, among others. Oh, which is a, those guys. Yeah, I didn't actually know they existed until now, but I checked them oh, out. Oh, yeah, no, they've been around for a long time. The Heartland Institute was, I think, started by the Koch brothers. Okay. Um, and funded by them, all sort of secretive funding. But they were, you know, the, the, this was an institute devoted to um, promoting uh, fossil fuels. Yeah. And uh, and to undermining um, uh, climate change, uh, it very famously had their databases hacked, <laughs> and uh, and and their donors published, and that's when oh, we that, found out the Koch yeah. brothers were, were basically running that's it. Right. And um, <laughs> and there were a whole lot of other fossil fuel interests involved there, chucking in a bit of coin. Well, there is this Murray Energy is one of the backers, which is the largest privately owned coal producer in the US. And look, side note, Murray Energy might be familiar to viewers of John Oliver and, uh, and his program, who had a legal battle with Bob Murray, who he called geriatric Dr. Evil. <laughs> That's unkind. Uh, due to his opposition to safety standards in his mines, not just talking about mining coal and burning it, safety standards in, in his coal mines that may have ultimately led to a deadly mine collapse that saw nine people killed. Oliver claimed it was a SLAP lawsuit. That's an acronym which stands for Strategic Lawsuits Against Public Participation. It was designed to scare people into silence with baseless legal bullying, which may have uh, no prospect of success, but still expensive to be defended. This one from Dr. Evil cost HBO around 250k to put to bed. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I'm like, Certainly for our, your average punter. If they tried to fuck me with that, man, I'd be crowdfunding till the cows came home. And hopefully it just never happens. There's those methane burning bastards. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Everything's climate change. <laughs> They're delicious too. So, look, this appears to be one of those coordinated climate denial campaigns and his work in pushing it has been quite effective. I mean, like, you know, credit where credit's due, right? His tweets appear to be sort of the beginning of this climate lockdown hysteria. It's sort of where it started, but he's also quite pivotal in maintaining this irrational fear. He's giving good value to the Heartland Institute, creating these false narratives to establish the conspiracy theory. Now, Milloy himself is a huge piece of shit. He doesn't just work for the fucking Heartland Institute. He's a lobbyist for big tobacco and big oil in general. He operates a lobby group for mm. Philip Morris International called the Advancement of Sound Science Coalition. Mm. Sounds legit. That's a group dedicated to questioning the detrimental effects of cigarette smoke, especially secondhand smoke. Well, they are delicious, Joe. They are <sighs> delicious. I love them all, bro. I won't lie. This was set up in 1993, continued till 1998. Oh, I don't know. That might have been a little bit past the point where the harm of cigarette smoke and secondhand smoke was actually in question yeah. at all. Yeah, a couple of decades, yeah. Give this asshole Great, some money really. and he'll say fucking anything. And this clown, on September 14th, 2011, like as the world is still shaking from the fucking September 11 tragedy, he claimed that asbestos may have prevented some of the September 11 deaths by preventing the towers from falling. Mm. Just why would you say that? Just shut the fuck up, idiot. Yeah, it's not a good thing to say. And Just of course, had that as asbestos come down with the building and become fibrous, New York wouldn't exist. Mm, well, like, there'd be a lot of mesothelioma going yes, around. Yes, they would. I just I can't even begin with that statement. So he also pushed the theory that January six was Antifa, oh. and yeah, and also that, you know, had the that right pan out. Yeah, yeah, he's just a 
fucking dipshit. And he's clearly happy to just bullshit his lie. way through things. Yeah. Um, yeah, just lie through his teeth. That uh, That is an idiot. I'm not sure. But the idea that Charlottesville in North Carolina was a bunch of anti-fascists, are you fucking serious? Mm. And, of course, this is the guy who's behind the concept of climate lockdown. So I don't want to make these kind of reach links, but I will just say he's bullshit before and he may very well bullshit again. So he's also a Fox does, News contributor. It does sound like a behavioural thing. Mm. It does. It's a habit. It's a habit. So he's on Fox News, and this gives him a platform for his bullshit. He has Laura Ingram on board as well. She's parroting this nonsense. Breitbart News is pushing the agenda as well. I mean... In 2021, the World Economic Forum posted a tweet, which they then deleted and apologised for, which is a really bad thing to do, right? I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. immediately going to attract suspicion. But the quote, uh, and uh, sorry, the tweet, and I quote, was uh, that lockdowns were quietly improving cities. And this triggered cookers in a big way toward believing that the WEF, whose power they wildly overestimate, will be implementing climate-inspired lockdown policies. That's not, it's not a policy. It's not a policy no. body. <laughs> anyway, no. the tweet linked to an article titled, Lockdown Allowed Scientists to Study Earthquakes in a Way Never Possible Before. The article, and all this baseless hysteria, was about scientists researching earthquakes, damn those scientists, as the (laughs) lockdowns reduced human activity so significantly that they had an opening to study seismic activity without human interruption. That's it. That's why it's quietly. The WEF think they are funny. That's their idea of a joke. They're having (laughs) a bit of a jab. That's their idea of a joke. Hilariously. Santa Claus, Schwab, and all the gang. But while cookers are idiots, or more likely arguing in bad faith on the back of a bit of a mistake, the WEF also published the article, You'll Own Nothing and Be Happy, or Get in a Fucking Truck. No, I made the the rest of that bit up. But uh, this isn't the first time their comms department has given cookers ammunition to shoot them with. They do it all the time. Do it all the time. And look, look, all of this was tied to the Great Reset, which to me, there was nothing really wrong with. This is the theory that was outlined in a book with Klaus Schwab and Thierry Malloray that conspiracy theorists just love to talk about, despite the fact that none of them have actually fucking read it. They don't seem to know. I was having a chat to someone who actually said, have you heard about this thing? You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And, and I said, where, where did you get that from? He said, oh, I picked it up on the TV. And I said, oh, you haven't really read it. It was just a piece of really bad science fiction. That's yeah. kind of what it was. And it's not as if it's prescriptive and it's not as if the WEF have the ability to be prescriptive. No, it's ridiculous. So, like, you know, look, I've, I've, I listened to the audio book, to be fair, full disclosure, because I, I can't stand reading. But, look, it's fine. It really is fine. They say all this random fanciful nonsense and just attribute it to the book. Like, I heard today in a podcast that Klaus Schwab was pushing a transhumanist agenda with microchips to be inserted into people's brains, and this was apparently in the Great Reset book. It About was time, not. Quite frankly. It wasn't. It wasn't. It just wasn't. Can't but they say this stuff. put in my brain. Well, to be honest, I'd like a chip put in my brain because I struggle to do maths, but I put, I put things into my phone and it does it in seconds. Yeah. Well, my, you know, my phone's smarter than me. You. It let's should just, be able to punish you. Let's mix the um, well, yeah, I mean, if you, like, if you get oh. your arithmetic wrong. What if you, know, you what if you want to get punished? Just a quick zap of electricity through your two brain. 2 plus 2 equals 6. Oh, do it again. Ah! Do it again. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get James Bader on this shit. So the deletion of this tweet about earthquake studies, as you said, it was seen as proof the theory was valid. I mean, like, instead of being like, oh, okay, 
this is interesting. No, they're just like, oh, double down. Yeah, let's do this. And they completely ignore the base of the tweet. They all know it. I mean, if they don't, they're stupid. Rowan Dean from Sky News, who is all through this conspiracy theory, blathered on about this almost forever, broadcasting utter bullshit to the world stage on YouTube and making these wild, unsubstantiated claims, basically fear porn for cooked idiots watching his dumb ass show. Yeah, and there's look, there's a lot of uh, and there's a lot of people on the left who are sort of giving them ammunition, right? And 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 we get to the Guardian, you know, the Guardian also posted an article that claimed it would it would need to be global lockdowns every two years to meet Paris climate goals. I mean, it's Ammo. just dumb. Yeah, you Ammo. know, similar to the. World Economic Forum. The Guardian isn't a body of elected officials. No. This is simply, it's a newspaper. <laughs> uh, and this was simply, and it's not even that in Australia, this was simply yeah. discussing the difficulty of reaching climate targets using lockdowns as an analogy. But anything to give their agenda substance is catnip to the people behind this. They are desperate for this narrative to become mainstream and climate change denial groups are throwing money at this to get it to stick. So this article, the yeah. Guardian article, became the basis for other articles that made wild claims about the certainty of a rolling set of lockdowns to reduce emissions. And it was all bullshit. The article was kept online, but the headline changed from global lockdown every two years needed to meet Paris CO2 goals study to equivalent of COVID emissions drop needed every two years study. Either way, the damage was done by then and the cat was out of the bag. Yeah. It's unfair that the media needs to walk on eggshells due to the constant threat of catastrophic meltdown from right-wing extremists creating viral disinformation campaigns, but this is the world we live in. Guardian should never have published that piece or should have been more cautious about more it. More cautious, yeah. And hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty. Yeah. And, of course, on the back of this established narrative, Tucker Carlson decided to chime in and amplify the theory, causing traffic to reach new heights on social media and beyond. Yeah, he's pretty good at pushing bullshit. And uh, Rebel News in Canada have also reported this amplification process. Of course I have. And a conservative... MP in Canada circulated a leaflet suggesting that climate lockdowns were impending and she was condemned for the move, quite rightly. But the seed was planted by a rebel and just sort of legitimized by her position in public office. You know, mm. Canadian MP, conservative MP says this is happening. Well, I mean, that's got a fair bit of gravitas. But the usual process for disinformation that has become sort of like a recipe for right-wing bullshit artists in the modern era, era was just followed. It was like, it was just, a, it was a recipe. It's just like, take this. Get some idiot in Parliament to say it. Sweet. Got it. And even the UN doesn't want climate lockdowns. They said this in response to the positive impact of lockdowns on greenhouse gas emissions. The experience this year clearly demonstrates that restraining economic activities with its painful consequences will not slow down CO2 buildup and global warming. Austerity cannot lead to a zero emissions economy. Very, very powerful statement. That Just that sentence, austerity yeah. cannot lead to a zero emissions economy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The green transition, the quote goes on to say, the green transition needs a new mode of production and consumption and post-crisis investments must accelerate economic transformation to ensure that we, quote, recover better together. They fucking hate recover better together, build back better, all those catchphrases. Yeah, they just trigger them. They another, don't really get trigger, what they mean, yeah. though. They don't understand them. But that's the thing. The UN doesn't even want climate lockdowns. They don't even want them. They don't think they would work. As you highlighted, austerity cannot lead to a zero emissions economy. It's not the right strategy to tackle climate change. Mm. And that is the general consensus. I mean, no basis, no kernel of truth. But even so, in the end, emissions was a total nothing burger 
sort of element of these lockdowns. I mean, the impact on lives and small businesses is the main story, and rightly so. But it appears it really got the noggin joggin of a few idiots, not only in cook circles, but just in the sort of right in general, because there's this sort of climate change denial vibe. And now we have the concept of climate lockdowns, another fucking fantasy from the perpetual victimhood complex of the modern far right. It's just a bunch of necks looking for a boot to lie under, so fucking desperate to feel oppressed as middle class nobodies in the developed world. Oh, your life is so hard. Oh, it's just pathetic. Well, now might be a good time to have a quick word to the cookers. Probably none of them listening at the moment. But here's <laughs> the thing about lockdowns. They are economically harmful. That, that's the... That's the bottom line. I the mean, elites also, hate them. There, there's some other issues around, regarding the psychology of it, particularly developing minds and so forth, young people. Yeah. Um, but we're about to see around about a million people die of COVID in China right Ooh, now. Now, China yeah, so has true. got all sorts of particular problems. Low rates of vaccination, and particularly among the elderly in, uh, in mainland China. There are also issues around the Sinovax, and I think the other one is the Sinotab, and uh, they're non-mRNA vaccines and, and not terribly effective. Yeah. Um, well, that's the view, and, of course, they won't ex- they won't accept that. And, but I did see that uh, they were receiving a, uh, a huge supply of German mRNA vaccines yesterday. So they'll quietly try and get those in, in, in arms in their population. But we're about to see about a million people there. And and really what we see with lockdowns, particularly in a, in a, in a vaccine phase of a pandemic, is just basically kicking the problem down the street. You know, and and it's going to be like that. So we will see a million people die in the next couple of months of of, uh, and that's just a conservative estimate in China. Now, <clears throat> the reason why a lot of these harsher measures, lockdowns, etc., have been lifted in China is because the econ- the Chinese economy is spluttering, and when the Chinese economy splutters, we all basically feel the effects of that. There's no so the big issue is when you look at government, whether it's a totalitarian government, Xi Jinping, you know, Xi is basically saying we need to get back to making money. Yeah. So whether it's totalitarian or whether it's a democratically elected government in Australia or in any of the states or in the US and so forth, it's all about making money. It's yeah. all about driving markets. It's money all talks. about getting uh, supply chains up and working again. Yeah. Seriously, give a fuck of, about about climate change first. <laughs> they think they they live or die on economic economic figures. Yeah, yeah, it's so fucking true. And this is the sort of stuff they just they don't consider. But look, we don't turn to them for economic nuance. We don't talk to them for political insights. We look at them because they're funny. So I mean, that's funny and also frustrating. And yeah, frustrating. Look, uh, so specifically, Joel, let's take a look at the Oxfordshire traffic plan, which sounds oh. evil and is. Oh, it's so frustrating. Fuck me. So Oxfordshire is made of several neighbourhoods that are linked by roads. Generally speaking, most cities are. Some of them are modest roads built around a town that is over a thousand years old. I mean, some of them have a fair bit of foot traffic, especially during university semesters, and it's a big tourist town as well. And for good reason, the place is fucking lovely. Over time, traffic congestion has got to the point where something must be done. So the mm. Oxfordshire Council has implemented a program that will prevent people from driving on the more direct roads that are crammed with traffic and go around on the so-called ring roads that are a longer journey but eventually get to the same place. Now, but probably quicker. Well, mm. I'm not so sure it's about that. Enough. But yeah, with I mean, the traffic it's hard involved, to know. But basically, yes. they're saying. We cannot, you know, we've got to do something about traffic congestion. You've got to go the long way because you can't go through the city anymore because there's not enough fucking space on the roads. So this is an important part of this. 
get to the same place. You are getting to the same place. You're just going around the main roads. You're changing the way you get to your destination because it's a traffic mitigation program. It is not stopping you from going there. There is nothing stopping you from getting to your destination. It is simply stopping you from using certain roads because they are problematic with congestion. Now, they're calling them traffic filters, and that is kind of what it is, a traffic filter. It's really not a big deal. There will be an emphasis on cycling, probably cycle paths, walking, damn, public transport options. Damn their eyes. And look, but like this isn't even because they're flower-rooting communists. It's just because there's shitty thousand-year-old <laughs> roads in the inner city. They don't support modern traffic requirements. A few buses and a few bikes, ridden by obvious communists, is kind yeah. of all there's room for. So bus routes will remain on the local roads. Permits will be issued for some cars to be allowed to travel on these roads at certain times usually for things like medical appointments and stuff like that. And they'll get there quicker because there's less traffic. Fox. So this plan is a 12-hour plan. It sets an automated barrier between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. with fines issued for cars using automated plate recognition if they drive through the barrier without a permit. And I'm sure there's all sorts of ways that this can be problematic, but we're not here for that conversation. We're here to discuss why Oxfordshire councillors are being threatened with death by idiots on the internet for making a traffic mitigation program. And the reason stated, this is so great, this is such a British thing, that inaccurate information was being circulated online, like the understatement of the century. <laughs> inaccurate. So, yeah, inaccurate. Yeah, it's inaccurate. So let's have a look at that. This is from Sky News Australia, and it's important to say Sky News Australia because it's not Sky News UK, which is kind of quite different. December 7th. Yeah, prepare for climate lockdowns. Rogue British Council wants to strip you of freedoms and everyday liberties. Sky News host Rowan Dean says, according to Darren Burks at the independent website Vision News, the Oxfordshire County Council is planning to embark on climate lockdowns Mm -hmm. in 2024. I believe we are facing a sinister threat to the freedoms that and everyday liberties that we and our parents have taken for granted all our and their lives, Mr. Dean said. I'll get back to that in a minute, Joe. But are, uh, but are being squeezed out of us by woke, left-wing, authoritarian governments more effectively than a python crushing the breath out of Miss, Mrs. Kafoop's pet? And if we don't wake up soon and start saying no, it will be too late. Let me just get back to that. Look, I know Rowan Dean personally, um, uh, away from the screen, he's actually a decent human being. Um, but he, he really has got this shtick of you know permanent outrage uh, going for him. Mm. Let me just explain. Now, Rowan's probably a little bit younger than me, uh, and I don't know how old his parents would be, but my parents certainly are of an age where they lived through World War Two, and I guarantee you whether it's his parents or mine, they their everyday liberties were well and truly restrained during wartime. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, if there were cookers around then, God, they would have just gone bananas. Rations, so, war So bonds. the simple fact of the matter is that all this sort of cooker stuff is, is being developed around a group of people, probably two generations of Australians and maybe even three, that have never had to endure... Uh, um, uh, yeah. A war or, or, or hardship or, in general, or, or pandemic or famine, yeah. and have never had to deal with the issue that the government basically has to make decisions on the run. Some yeah. of them are good, some of them are bad. Yeah. Uh, but to deal with that particular crisis, we yeah. are dealing with a lot of people who are basically spo- spoiled World War II uh, generated brats. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very true. 
And also, hold on a sec. I just so one thing that I just checked then is Vision News is Vision News is not an independent website. It is a fucking no. hard right. No, rag. it's nowhere near it. It's nowhere near it, Joel. That's right. But You're I, absolutely right to pull that up. I also don't know what Mrs. Kafoop's pet is. Oh, isn't it just one of those sort of you know, um, you know, uh, Joe Bloggs sort of thing? I know? think so. I'm looking it up now, and I'm seeing a lot of unrelated Kafoops references. Yeah. I don't feel like there's a Kafoops narrative that really does tie that together. So, look, I'm just going to give him extra boomer points for saying that because honestly, that feels like a reference from the '50s tops. Anyway, yeah. thanks, Kafoops. The main thing here is that they are literally rerouting traffic. That is it. it. That is the policy here. Mm. And it's resulted in threats to council, which have become a rolling news story. If you look it up, there's one, a story on it sort of every week. It's spanned over months now. And conspiracy theorists are pumping this story hard, which results in more threats, of course. Okay, so this is when one of the most British quotes ever, at least I liked this myself, Cabinet Member for Travel and Development Strategy at Oxfordshire County Council said this. I feel quite angry about it, said Mr. Enright. This is illegitimate in a modern democracy like ours, that people should behave in this way. This is very oh. British. I've been uh, built up into some huge monster, he said. I'm not a lizard. I'm not a person from another planet who is trying to take over people's lives. It's, it's, a, it's a strange thing to have to say, <laughs> isn't he's, it? He's I'm on really, Oxford City Council. I'm really not a lizard. <laughs> I'm not a lizard. Oh, because he has he has to say that because people think he's a lizard. <laughs> so another councillor, Emily Kerr, who said, I refuse to give in to aggression, bullying and threats, spoke about constituents approaching her in public with fears of a climate lockdown. And this is what she said to the BBC about that. People have come up to me and said, is it true that we're not going to be allowed out of our houses, that it's going to be just like the coronavirus lockdown? And when people get very worried about it and then realise it's not true, I think they're just relieved, she said. It's really worrying. It scares people. It's just disinfo. Yeah. It's really fucking sad that people are, like, scared on the back of this bullshit. <laughs> so the article singles out Australia as a sort of the source of the disinformation, and that's going to be Sky News. But it's huge on Fox in the USA as well. But that's only the basis for it. As the ISD report sort of outlines, that was where it started. From there, independent attention seeker types like Vision News have been all over this, trying to turn into clickbait for their shit little websites to get a few advertising dollars and maybe flog a few water filters with affiliate links. Look, it is believed that most of the threats and abuse are coming from outside the country, with Kerr saying, it's an organised sort of group of climate change deniers. Hmm. Hello, Heritage Foundation. And to give <laughs> a bit of an idea of how this is going to impact public policy, the article ends with a quote from the leader of the council saying, this is going to happen in other parts of the country because I don't think we're going to be the only city that will make the decision to limit traffic. We are living in a time where people send death threats over traffic policy, and local councils will have to factor this into their city planning agenda. How fucked up is that, Joe? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, and it's so summed up in that quote where it's like, because I don't think we're going to be the only city that will make the decision to limit traffic. And it's like other councils are sitting there watching this thinking, fuck, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should just leave this alone. Like, I don't really want to get death threats from well, we know Well, we know what we're going to enter into if we do Yeah. It. Like, you know, we're going to have to put like a, a small column in the Excel spreadsheet for budget for security guards for fucking councillors. What? No. Yeah. Anyway, look, it's not only Fox and Sky pushing this bullshit. I don't want to single them entirely because surprise, surprise, Russian state media outlet Russia Today is on the bullshit bandwagon with this shoddily 
crafted Russia piece. today. RT, don't tell me they're telling lies. Oh, oh God look. forbid. Anyway, God their, forbid. Their, their story ran, UK City defends new climate lockdown in inverted commas policy. A, inverted commas again, traffic filter program that finds residents for travelling outside their neighbourhoods too often is raising eyebrows. Yeah. Now, the only eyebrows being raised are the ones who are reading this complete horseshit. Oh, except for cookers who are believing it without any critical thought whatsoever. Anyway, the article continues. Well, I can't leave home, even though I don't want to, but I won't be able to leave the home. <laughs> yeah, look... <laughs> The article went on to say the city will be divided into six 15-minute neighbor, neighbourhoods, in quotes, containing all local necessities with residents required to register their cars. Ooh. So their mm. comings and goings can be tracked by a network of cameras. They are allowed unlimited movement in their own neighbourhood, but in order to drive through the filters, they must apply for a permit. Even then, they are only granted access to the other neighbourhoods for an average of two days per week. Those who exceed their travel allotment will be fined. You could catch a bus. Anyway, <laughs> so there you have it. 15-minute neighbourhoods are, are a part of climate lockdowns. That's the it. article goes on to outline vague threats of climate lockdowns. Vague because they're not true. Proposed mm-hmm. by left-wing, outlet, uh, uh, left-wing outlets like The Guardian. Well, they got their, got their, got their number there with no citation. But they don't and link an to economist, it. And, and The Economist with no citation. Not an economist. It's just like an economist. Oh, okay. And they're just like, oh, yeah, this economist said something. And you're yeah, like, what did they an say? economist, eh? What? Yeah. What? Who is it? And when the essay was met with widespread public backlash, mentions of the phrase climate lockdown were promptly scrubbed from news headlines and the very notion of a government-mandated climate lockdown was declared a conspiracy theory. Well, look, uh, it's it's hard to know what essay they were talking about when you're reading it because they have no citations, no links. I presume no that's links. from The Economist. Uh, well, no, an economist rather than the economist. Well, yeah, I can't remember her name. I didn't write it here. Um, but basically I looked into it and found the no, article they're all going into. Right. Um, but, yeah, basically uh, it's an essay that it was looked at in the ISD report that I mentioned earlier on climate lockdowns. And the title of the essay is literally – Avoiding a climate lockdown. So you can see why they didn't name the article in the link because it's literally called Avoiding a Climate Lockdown. It did argue for reduced meat consumption, which is a massive fear point for the fucking right wing. They're like, oh, but what if I want to have a steak on a Saturday? Like someone's going to stop you from doing that. It's really not on the cards. And, of course, a radical overhaul of energy policy. I mean, sky's blue, water is wet. It's, fuck, it's totally normal. But I can now see, of course, why they're trying to avoid naming the fucking title. But, I mean, the, the ISD summarises it by saying that this is what she meant to say. Her argument did not celebrate the idea of climate-related lockdowns, but rather laid out the policies needed to avoid them. And, like, let's just not let the truth get in the way of good yarn, hey? Like, you know, we're having a bit of fun here. Why, you know, consider the reality of the situation when you can just make up our own narrative which suits our political objectives? It's just seems more effective to me. So obviously none of this is in good faith. And one great fun side note, which I love, the essay by this economist was published on a not-for-profit news site called Project Syndicate, which is Mm. in part funded by George Soros' Open Society Foundations and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh Oh, Oh. So you can see how that's going to piss them off. Yeah, it's just Tom Hanks needed there for the trifecta. I mean, the amount of money that Bill Gates puts into media outlets, I mean... 
Almost every media outlet is touched by Billy's influence somehow. It's just the way it is. Shut the fuck up. But also another fun note, which I found on the Russian uh, Russia Today website, there's a banner at the bottom of the article that says, beat censorship, follow RT on Gab. And if you don't know already, <laughs> Gab is a Nazi shithole social media yes, service for like is. 4chan kids who think that 4chan is not edgy enough and just right-wing pests. So that says a lot about where RT are putting their sphere of influence. And have for many media. years. Have have you know it's a it's a propaganda. Uh, you know, RT is a propaganda arm of the Kremlin, and it's just straight out. But you can see, like you know, that while RT might have been pushing propaganda at certain points, while blah, when you look at the sort of Daniel Morrison top-down perspective of this sort of you know QAnon umbrella well, we go, type go, thing. Go back even further, Joel. RT basically pushing Brexit. Yeah. Yeah, they use these sort of ways to undermine Western democracy. The West, the West. And they attack us from within using these kind of psyops and uh, and all this sort of right-wing nonsense, making these people believe some of the dumbest fucking things and thinking that Ukraine's actually full of Nazis, which there are a few in there, but still, so they're in Wagner Group. Well, but at like, the most recent election, the most recent election in the Ukraine, uh, the one that saw Zelensky elected president, the um, uh, the Nazi parties, the extreme right wing parties, were reduced to zero point two percent of the vote. Yeah, that's worth so, saying. That's very so, worth you know, saying. There, 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 yes, there is a there, yes, there is a sort of um, a, a, a political structure around extremist right wing parties in Ukraine, but yeah. really nothing compared to you know what, what the Russians are about. I mean, the Russians what the Russians are about what RT basically gives away on any given day is that is it is an extremist totalitarian state. Yeah, that's it. And look, we've got fucking Nazi cookers all over the place. So, I mean, mm. don't be throwing stones, my friend. You're living in a glass house. So the Oxfordshire plan has these cookers dancing because they love this idea of being right and they love thinking that they're right because obviously they're wrong. If they can turn a traffic mitigation project into a climate lockdown and have fringe elements of the mainstream media jump on board and amplify this dead shit message... We do have a pretty grim future ahead in this sort of post-era, uh, post-truth sort of era, mm. but especially for councils just simply trying to improve the lives of constituents, like just in local areas and cities, just trying to make improvements. And apparently you're going to have fucking people whinging about the new world order because you put a fucking solar-powered bin in a park. So ugh, I don't envy the role of local government in this. They're going to get smashed. To a be honest, it's bad time. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. You know, it's their, it's their turn. To be honest, after Clover Moore put on all those obnoxious billboards in the city of Sydney, I welcome all the harassment she gets. Yeah, and I don't mean that. Good kicking. No harassment. My local bad. council's been under administration for, well, best part of a year now. Jeez. It's never worked better. <laughs> <laughs> Who said the private sector was Democracy, a it's really overrated. It is um, at times. Yes, it is. I trust so you. Oxford, Oxfordshire Council um, uh, clarified the purpose of the 15-minute neighbourhood project with a statement and which said, the 15-minute neighbourhood's proposal aims to ensure that every resident has all the essentials, shops, healthcare, parks, etc., within a 15-minute walk of their home. They aim to support and add services, not restrict them. For the benefit of Oxford residents, what we are aiming to do is to ensure that areas of the city, such as Barton, Blackbird, Lees and Rose Hill, have all the essential services that areas such as East Oxford and Jericho already have. So Jericho is the area next to the bus and train stations, right? Close to universities, the high street shops, it's a very nice area. 
Blackbird Lees, on the other hand, is out on the edge of town at the end of Cali Road and is considered a bit of a shithole. I stayed a few months in Templar Square, which is sort of between Cali and Blackbird Lees, and it's also a bit of a shithole. Um, it's just like improving those areas is something that should be really welcomed because the idea that they should just languish and continue to be shit is really, really weird. But Cali Road is a traffic bound shithole. I don't think they're even limiting uh, traffic there. And it's just bizarre that they would oppose these things. But this is also a side note to say that Oxford is a beautiful place to visit. I spent quite a lot of time there. I fucking love it. It's way better than Bruges, which is like a fairy tale. But it's it's beautiful. It's a great city. And if you can catch the vibe there, oh man, you'll never want to leave. But the roads that are planning to be blocked, they're the central roads that get absolutely gridlocked and they prevent buses from bringing people in and out of the area, which is, you know, kind of important. They don't have trains, they don't have trams, they just rely on roads. The main opposition to this plan comes from businesses who argue, and they always do this, that they'll see a reduction in trade because less cars with parking spaces outside the shop front and they'll have more buses bringing people in who can't carry as much shit home. Mm-hmm. Oh. But that is, once again, the wrong conversation for this podcast because this is a good faith chat that should be had within Oxford, not the chat about <laughs> worldwide conspiracy yeah, theorists. That's exactly right. Tricking yeah. people whether, into whether thinking Whether it's a that's, good you know, idea or a bad idea not relevant. from the Oxfordshire City Council is really not relevant it's, because yeah. this has been picked up by people Pickheads. who, by, 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 shall we just call them malign influences? Yeah, bad actors. That, that, that basically are, are, pushing, are pushing an agenda that really doesn't exist. It's got the nothing to do with this. this I, I think I saw um, Malcolm Turnbull come up with the, uh, the come up with the phrase or the the term, and it's called scaretainment. Oh. And, and, and it's basically it, it, it drives a lot of these sort of news services that we're referring to here. Yeah, um, you know that you've got to keep people on the edge. I mean, we, we can talk more broadly about. It wasn't so long ago, and this is how how things have changed. It wasn't so long ago that people were basically left on edge by tabloid newspapers, etc., that were saying, you know, crime on the streets. You know, yeah, you walk out of the yeah. house, you'll be murdered with an axe, yep. uh, and and yep. and this sort of stuff, which keeps people in a sort of permanent state of terror, and and yeah. and then also saying, you know, God, you know, we must have safer streets and all this sort of stuff. When police would go, hang on, the streets are safe, murder rates are down, you know, violent assaults are down, all this sort of stuff. But they were being pulled on this uh, this issue. But here's where this here's where it's changed. A lot of the right wing, particularly the sort of people who lend themselves to this scare tainment, are now seeing the police as their enemies. That the yeah. old law and order yeah. shtick doesn't really work anymore. The fucking thin blue line has turned into the fucking red enemy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really interesting thing. I mean, I, I first started seeing this through the pandemic. You know, when when people were being issued with notices and so forth for you know breaching lockdowns or you know that sort of thing, and 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 right wing commentators really giving the police hell, and yeah. it's like, oh, what you just forgotten about the the old law and order thing, but. Yeah, they had, and they'd but moved on. They did start off with this big, we love you, you know, we love you, uphold the right, we love you, we love you. But then they got a bit of pepper spray and they're like, no, we don't love you anymore. No, nah, that, that's all gone. Well, I'm and talking about the influences, the media influences that basically used to run on this tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime sort of agenda and and were facilitated really by 
um, uh, you know, newspapers and what have you, talkback radio that, that that suggested, you know, that basically crime was out of control, spiralling out of control. This person has been been uh, bailed, or this person has been released from prison, has been free to murder again, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, but that that it, it's actually moved on from that. Yeah, because they realise their market, and it, we can call it perhaps absurdly a sort of cooker market, but we realised that that market. Um, that easily, easily misled is a yeah. market that they now want. And that yeah. market doesn't really care about police. So they don't, no. so you can't run that law and order. Let's give police more powers. Let's give police more, um, more numbers and let's give them more resources. It's not so, broadly supported, at least. Yeah. So you've got to yeah. be careful with it. One other thing that's just like a quick detour and then we'll get back to it, which is basically this podcast I was listening to this morning, which was talking on and on about how like, you know, a multipolar society is an aim for the WEF, which is that we live in a unipolar society where the US is a superpower. And then we're going to be looking at a multipolar society where we've got multiple countries being the sort of the superpowers that be. While decrying US foreign policy, for better or worse, for doing acts of power and imperialism. And I'm sorry, man, but if you're sitting there saying that the WEF is trying to implement a multipolar society and then complaining that we live in a unipolar society, I'm sorry, man, you can't have that. But that's the Russia Today shit. That's that Russian yeah. fucking influence. And I can smell you Putin on his breath when he's it. saying yeah. it. You smell know it. that fucking stain of Putin in the Kremlin is there. Just there. Anyway, that was nothing to fucking do with the topic. So the scheme anyway, itself, the traffic let's, mitigation let's get back scheme. On track. So the scheme is also being introduced as a six-month trial to ensure it's effective and feasible before making it permanent. But the amount of consultation involved is excessive as usual, and it's going to be interrupted by this sort of ridiculous cooker backlash because none of this is being done in good faith. So the council is going to be out there seeking submissions and they're going to get a whole bunch of shit as a result. Part of the backlash comes from cooker fucking supreme and huge piece of shit Piers Corbyn, brother of Jeremy, who oh, has been no. a significant element of the cooker scene in the UK and a significant element of this backlash. He is an absolute fucking pest. But this gives you an idea of what shitbags are involved in the opposition to these plans. Not fucking a few Oxford business as shopkeepers, people like Piers Corbin turning this into a cooker circus. Yeah. Yes, well, as soon as you hear that surname, you go, hmm. Fucking hate. Hello, I, Russian, I don't mind hello Jeremy, Russian money. But- Jeremy certainly benefited from it uh, yeah, around that's- the Brexit stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there is no better example of how of how easy it is to cook people than Brexit. Here people yeah. were being here people were being directed to vote against their economic best interests—that's mm-hmm. essentially what's happened. Yeah, and yep. now we we can look at Europe now. Now that Brexit has, to a degree, been better down, we we can actually see the economic the economic measures or the metrics uh, showing that yes, France is uh, having some uh, economic problems, and Germany may well head into recession. And UK's already there. Yeah. Oh, uh, the UK's already there, and they're looking at the a bed. sustained recession. Yeah. By the fact that they, I mean, look, there are lots of reasons for it. To be honest, not just Brexit, but but the you know one of the issues is at least that they have turned their backs on the largest trading block in the world, which yeah. is literally forty kilometres away. Insane! Insane! Smells like Putin. Anyway, we shall move on, uh, and we shall go to Victoria because Victoria. Is the most pilled state in Australia. Yes, it is. And, and yes. there's a massive in, 
and inexplicable backlash toward a project plan for suburbs in Melbourne. Oh, no, which intends (laughs) to develop areas where all general needs are catered for within 20 minutes walking distance. Fuck. It's called the 20-minute neighbourhoods plan. Yep. God. The idea is to have employment, shopping, medical, educational, and recreational needs. How about a dog park thrown in within a local area? We'll also focus on implementing community projects. It's not even about tech, but the cookers are still terrified of it. Why? They baselessly believe it's going to be lockdown area for the sake of reducing emissions. Yeah, it's all about this idea of dictator Dan stopping you from leaving your suburb. I mean, it's fucking baseless. And the plan does intend to reduce the need for private car travel by ensuring that facilities within walking distance of residents and stop them from getting their fucking car. For some reason, that's a bad thing. It's just cooking nonsense. I mean, if you've got a medical centre just down the road instead of in another suburb, like, wh- where's the picket line? Why? So anyway, I'm going to try and give you some reason. So we're going to go into the thought bubble brain of these fucking morons. So I went through Telegram, searched for 20-minute city neighbourhoods, and a few posts came up. Here's the first one. The aim by 2030. So it's just nothing there, right? There's just no evidence whatsoever about 2030. No. It's well, just thrown in. Agenda 2030, yeah. They, the aim by 2030, as per the C40 city agenda that the Australian government has signed you up for. What? It does exist. It's a thing. Australian government? Yeah, so it's actually the Victorian, uh, it's the Melbourne uh, local area that signed up for it. So, no, the Australian government Not the Australian government. It. That's my point. No, you're quite right. Yeah. Well uh, well done, jurisdiction, man. That was very yeah. astute. <laughs> You'll be just government. They should have just yeah, spelled just it G-U-M-M-I-N-T. Government. Anyway, what you've signed up for is you'll be locked down in a 20-minute walking radius under 24-7 surveillance. Mm-hmm. No car, no travel. Mm-hmm. I'm about to walk. Never leave broken <laughs> every Wednesday. Minimal <laughs> to no animal products. Your food choices will be made for you. Eat the bugs. Eat the fucking grasshoppers. Depending on what the government decides. Only fruit of, veg in season. Fuck A you. limit of three to eight pieces of clothing a year. That, that actually would expand my wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, totally. Your purchase choices and ability to earn an income curbed and dictated by increased carbon taxes and red tape. The worst kind of tape. The worst kind of tape. All this in just eight years' time. The most dictated control ever in the history of the world placed in the hands of a few rich people like you know, not Stalin's Russia or um, Mao's China. No, yeah. nothing, not even close. Who are Armin's these people? Uganda. Is it Gina um, Pol Pot's Cambodia. Nope. Yeah. Doesn't even come close to what's being, what's being offered here. No. Every facet of your life and choices dictated based off false science. Not all of you fucking moron. I've said it before <laughs> and I'll say it again. <laughs> That's just. <laughs> I love. I love people who you know they come up with what, 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 what sort of broadly speaking is a polemic and go. I've said it before and I'll say it again. <laughs> the same people who slaughter hundreds of millions of people in the name of communism are still in control today. Really, like Pol okay. Pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch Europa, the last battle on the homepage of our website. www AustralianSovereigntyAlliance.com. Jeez, you're not going to type that into a URL, are you? No. Anyway. Copy and paste it. And there's a link there. There's a link down the bottom. So for those that don't know already, Europa the Last Battle is a 12-hour propaganda film that denies the Holocaust. 
just and, yet, never and it actually feels longer. Yeah, um, yeah, I haven't. Twelve, seen it. it just you know, twelve. You'd think, yeah, I can, I can, I can cope with twelve. Um, but this is it. this is like spending you know your old age oh, watching a fucking shitty documentary. You wouldn't even call it a documentary. Again, you just call it a polemic. But you, te- you t- we tease these people about being so stupid, and they spend twelve hours watching this shit. I'm like, almost respect. I mean, unless you unless you're taking <laughs> Ritalin or something, how the fuck do you focus for that long? My well, God! The answer is they don't, Joel. The answer, yes, well, there is the truth. Is they that, go yes. and get an ice cream. They go and have go and have a shit. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, and yeah. then he's coming and go. Oh, just got back to where the government's still just trying to torture us. Turns out Hitler's not so bad. So. They just plonk that in the end, which I think is fascinating. But there's also a link at the end to a PDF file, which is a paper by the group called the C40 Cities, which in conjunction with the University of Leeds and Arup, which is a lighting firm which is getting big into smart city technology. And, yeah, I know people who work there. Like, it's, it's a lighting firm. C40 is a network of mayors working together to achieve sustainability goals. Sounds like a million other fucking things. And this kind of thing just freaks the shit out of cookers. Oh, my God, the mayors, they're organizing for climate change. <laughs> But, like, it's bizarre because, like, so many of these people used to be hippies and now they just aggressively despise environmentalism. I mean, the red pill is a fucking hell of a drug. It just takes these, like, Byron Bay hippies and they're like, you know what? We should burn oil for fun mm. just to own the libs. And you're like, yeah. what happened oh, to and, you? And, 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 you know, with the, with the absolute footnote, maybe it is the Jews. Oh, just just chuck that in the end. Just a little little one at the end. So, look, I had a look through the paper and surprisingly uh, all of it's made up bullshit. Not relevant at all. This really was an example of Brandolini's law, which states that bullshit is much easier to spew than to debunk because I had to actually look at this boring document. It wasn't fun. There were a few illustrations, but they weren't good. They just had to link it to feign credibility for this weird bondage fantasy post they made. It doesn't support any of their claims, <laughs> which it are is. ridiculous. It is a weird bondage fantasy. It yeah. is. It's just domination. It's really fucking weird. And like, as usual, they are using, as I mentioned before, an official policy document to just underpin these wild made up fantasies. They're hoping you don't click, basically. Yeah, Either that yeah. or they're just stupid. Well, you can, you'll click on it. Eyes will glaze over quickly and they'll just go back to the rhetoric. And they'll just assume that what they're saying yeah. must well, be true because, because they yeah, referenced Because of it. the link that I didn't yeah. read. Because of the link. So while there are carbon targets, there's nothing remotely coercive about them. And don't get me started on slippery slope bullshit because there just fucking isn't. Oh, slippery, no slope, slippery slope arguments, Joel. It is the you know it is the absolute <laughs> thrippany piece of logic. You know that's the oh yes, well if we allow this it'll just be a slippery slope and all. What this next? Well, this this was this is the slippery slope argument we might remember was used in the same sex marriage debate that ultimately yeah. we'd be allowed to you know. Marry our dogs, dogs and cats, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, one of each and because we'd be allowed to be, um, you know, we'd be allowed to have Bigamous. multiple marriages with yeah. our dogs and cats, you know. Yep. So that's the slippery stuff. It's the laziest thing you've ever seen in your life. It's Cory Bernardi shit and this is fucking sad. Now, I will concede they don't want people eating too much meat. This is a common thing between climate change people. They fucking hate meat because the livestock industry is terrible for the climate. But none of this is remotely even binding. And to say so is completely disingenuous. So when an article says, we have targets to reduce meat consumption, no one's coming in with a gun to stop you from eating a steak, you fucking halfwit. They're probably just going to try and work toward giving you decent alternatives so you'll choose them over meat. It's fine. Half of it is about reducing supply chain and household food waste. Stop throwing good food in the bin, you fucking wasteful, decadent, developed cunts. Anyway, look, just saying. 
it's not all about meat consumption. A lot of it's about household waste uh, reduction. But if they genuinely think they can knock out the livestock industry with a 50-page PDF and a fucking fancy logo and a few mayors saying, we think that the livestock industry should stop, uh, yeah, best of luck to you. But I don't know if you've met the livestock industry. They're not going down without a fight. Fair bit of money there. Just, just a touch, just a little bit. Like, I mean, you want to talk about elites? Look at the concentrated nature of the livestock industry and how they control parliaments and then come back to me about how they're going to stop eating meat anytime fucking soon. But the real question here is, was this post designed to outrage people about the future of cities or was it actually designed to turn angry idiots into Holocaust deniers? And I think that's really hard to say because putting that fucking little Europa nod at the end, that says a lot to me. But this is the kind of opposition we're seeing to smart cities. And I'm not saying everyone who questions the idea of constant surveillance is a Nazi. But I can say that once you're involved in that sphere, they start trying to link you to Holocaust denial material. They believe that you're susceptible to this kind of information. Somewhat ironically, concentration camps of World War II were an early incarnation of smart cities, if you want to go that far, with IBM assisting the Nazis in databasing Jews that they planned to exterminate with punch card technology. It is one of those things that once you know it, you can never look at IBM the same. It's a very prescient warning, though, because back then the technology was shit ours. But imagine the way in which genocidal regimes could use modern technology now to erase ethnicities with this sort of terrifying precision and efficiency. We're not here for that chat, of course, because, you know, basically these fuckwits don't even think the Holocaust happened. So, I mean, we don't want to overstep our fucking bounds by saying the IBM helped bloody organise it. But the WF is on board with this, not, not the IBM thing, they're on board with the greater plans, uh, you know, involved with this, you know, C40 group. And they had this nice little WF video on social media, which was, of course, followed by a ton of comments from idiots who don't understand the plan and have read bullshit like this. So it just emphasizes a reduction on reliance of cars and ownership as the means of transit. And that's kind of all right. But, like, this is apparently communist control because what if everything turns into Mad Max and you need a car and a shotgun? How about you just don't live in a paranoid fantasy land where life is a constant battle with the people around you? I mean, like, this is why individualism is such a doomed concept because you have to live in this fucking weird brain where everyone's about to rob you and you have to shoot them. So, look, another dead shit telegram group called QAnon Army, one squad, one squad under God of digital soldiers. I mean, shut up. Posted the 20-minute neighbourhood plan with this. Victorians, with an apostrophe between the N and the S, did you consent to this, you fucking idiot? Come over here for a slapping. Yeah, I knew, you'd, I knew you'd hate that. I knew you'd hate that so much. But then there's this link to the plan. There's nothing else there. It's just a link to the plan online. There's just this assumption <laughs> that it's bad. It's just, why? Yeah. Why? Why is it bad? Why is having services available locally a bad thing? What the fuck? What happened to you people? And how is this about consent? I mean, like, you can put submissions to oppose this. I mean, like, you know... It's just, but like, let's face it, consent is just a catchword for basic bitch sopsits to feel like they're in on the lingo and they know what's going on. So we'll move on to Matt Lawson, who posted this on Telegram. Uh, we have been lucky enough to have 50 acres of land donated to us by a freedom entrepreneur. It has a large old shed, which we will use to help with group homeschooling, and it Ugh. also has room for basketball. <laughs> <laughs> And other activities. 50 acres of land. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon. You know, should be able to get a basketball court out of that. That's good. Uh, (laughs) Communities are amazing, Mr. Wilson said, and will only continue to grow and prosper. Well, 
you're going to have to be starting from a pretty fucking low base, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You've only got a basketball court and a fucking shed for a school. Mm-hmm. They can stick their 20-minute cities up there a dollar sign, dollar sign. Ugh, I, think yeah, I, I think it I'm means sorry, ass. I'm sorry, but like, up, why? Up why? one of their donkeys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ARSE for starters, you're fucking American. Yeah, you fucking idiot. But the funny thing is... The American vibes are actually quite true because he posted a photo attached to it and I did a reverse image search and it's actually a plot of land in Maryland in the USA. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, obviously it's bullshit, but like in the off chance that it's not, he just got a plot of land in the States and hopefully that's where he goes and we never fucking see him again. But honestly, if you want to live rurally, then go for it. But maybe if you make a big fancy plan of basketball courts and sheds, Make sure the guy giving you the land isn't just trolling you and maybe reverse image search at first. I don't know. Just, I don't know, best practice and all that Mm. sort of thing. Mm. But look, it's important that people who want to live rurally can do so and I don't see any reason why they can't. At no point in logical discourse have I seen the idea that people be forced into cities. They may miss out on certain facilities, but later on we can briefly talk about the Six Cities Plan, which plans to bring these facilities to regional areas so they don't have to move into cities and there will be, within a reasonable distance, world-class facilities. By the way, spoiler alert, they're against that too. Ha! (laughs) Fucking idiots. But this is the thing. If you want to live rurally, that's fine, but don't expect to have a hospital within 20 minutes walking distance. A, you're no. upset by that and you oppose it, so fuck you anyway. But B... And as someone who does live in these areas, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, but, go, but, go. But, but basically you, you you understand that, you know, a hospital is good, you know, we've got a lovely hospital in Barrel and, and I know a lot of the regional hospitals as well. You know, it, it's almost like a triage emergency medicine, emergency department. You know, if you want specialised um, uh, treatment, you know, whether it's urology in my case or whether it's yeah. uh, cardiology or anything like that, you know, you, you'll need to go to the city. That's just the way it is. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, so people should be able to live rurally if they want to. They can fuck off into the forest if they want to. The idea that they can't is what plays into this idea of climate lockdowns. It's that desperate thing that cookers run about because they feel like they're being coerced into something they don't want. And while there's absolutely no reason to believe that you're going to be geofenced in your area for some climate change reason that they've made up, let's face it, a huge part of this is just the fact that public transport is available within 20 minutes' walk of residences. Like, so if you've got a tram stop, what, can you only go one tram stop? Like, is that how this geofence works? Like, mm. none of it stacks up. So if you want to live out in the, 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 the sticks with a shotgun, be my fucking guest. Shoot some deer. It's no problem. But if you want to live in the city... Oh, the shotgun, you, Joe. Well, okay, you'd use a fucking 30-06. Shut the fuck up. But they need to only keep the business going, this business of fear. And people aren't living in fear of government overreach exactly anymore. what it is. Because their lives are back to normal. So you'd think that, like, you know... There's this, like, you know, joy from cookers who are saying, thank Christ they've repealed these things. And Tinfoil Tales actually really highlighted this. It was interesting how Serene and Matuk were getting kind of pissed off that they had cases on foot, but the outcome they wanted came before the cases were resolved. And it's like, mate, but you got the outcome you wanted. Where's the thing? They repealed the public health orders, which they always said they were going to, but they need a boogeyman. And this is yeah. the kind of thing, like, this idea that your kid can walk to school and there is public transport nearby, is Stephen King shit to these people. And I just find it baffling 
even with the climate lockdown side of it. I mean, yeah, shut well, the fuck what, up. What you've, what you've got, you know, I mean, you do have this, and we just get to this sort of nexus of, you know, conspiracy cultists, uh, often with this sort of religious fundamentalism there yeah, multiplied yeah. by uh, <laughs> severe distrust of government and all its arms. Yeah. So be it the criminal justice system, police, yep. uh, health departments, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, th- that's the danger here, that, that we've got these influences, even scumbags like Lawson, who, who are pilling people on fear, mm-hmm. right, who, who, are, who are people who might have, you know, profound and deep faith to the point of fundamentalism yeah. and have been pilled on fear through, through conspiracy theories general, generally. Yeah. Where, where do you think that's going to end? I don't know because I, well, I sort of want end, them to wake gonna up. It's going to end in violence. It's going to end well, in violence. Yeah. It's going to end in sort of terrorism. Yeah, yeah. It's quite plausible. It's quite plausible. Well, look, we've got another take on the uh, Victorian neighbourhood situation. Now, this is from Telegram. Take it away, my friend. The Victorian government is building 20-minute neighbourhoods. They claim that the 20-minute neighbourhood is all about living locally. It allows people to meet most of their daily needs within a 20-minute return walk from home. You will most likely need special permission to exit your zone. If you're in a poorer zone, too bad. Uh-huh. No walking around with a, with a hoity-toity. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't the future look bright and open for Melbourne? I mean, there's a lot of whinging and whining about. It yep. must have been so devastating for the ones who do still have some clarity around them to see – in the federal election and then in the Victorian state election, their nonsense come to about 2%. Yeah, yeah. Because it's bullshit and people see through it. I mean, like, for starters, where do you get special permission to exit your zone from? Like, where is it? You've got yeah. this bizarre victimhood complex, but you're just projecting. It's just ridiculous. This is the thing, man. As I was saying before, they want a boot on their neck and they'll create one if they don't yeah. get one. yeah. Yeah. They want to be oppressed so they can complain. But I tell you what, as you said before, they haven't lived through these times, they haven't lived through war, they haven't lived through famine. They don't know what oppression is like. They don't know what adversity is like. And they're fucking like playing The Sims Adversity Edition and trying to fucking create it in their minds. Why? Mm. We live in decadence. We have an entire army of slave labor in the developing world making us socks at $2 and we make 30 at min. I mean, come on, guys. You've never had it better. Shut the fuck up. Just take it as it goes. And if something bad does happen, mate, I'll march alongside with you. But I tell you what, things are good. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, here's another Telegram post. And God, this one sucks. I saved the best for last year. And I want you to read this because it's going to make you really upset. 20-minute neighbourhood spelt in the American neighbourhood fashion. A good <laughs> friend once told me that the 5, 10, and 25-kilometre lockdowns during COVID, mm-hmm. all in caps, were nothing but a psyop to get people accustomed to being locked into an area. Good, good friend. See? Good what friend. better source Smart than friend. that? So your friend, Dan that. Andrews? I often use that in journalism. Well, where'd you get that from? Oh, good friend. A good, good friend, friend, yeah. Uh, she said to look out for new health and well-being centres. Oh, God. Then imagine being connected to the Internet of Things. No, oh, my light bulb's judging me. Where if you venture out of your zone, your phone won't work or your money won't be recognised. Nothing will work. Fuck. Just like you, you fucking lazy piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> All tied into your digital ID, your social credit score and tracked via 5G. 
<laughs> Ding dong, Dan has even invested into the same surveillance software used by the CCP. Has he? We're just, that's the Chinese Communist Party for those uh, wondering. Yes. We're just waiting for blanket 5G coverage and the systems to be ramped up. Cool. These days, with the jab sending out MAC addresses and Mac patents addresses. from the jab, literally revealing nano computing circuitry inside the jabbed. <sighs> This nightmare is unveiling in front of our eyes. But not to worry, there's cute little cartoons to help sell this concept and the dumbed-down, govern me harder, woke masses will do anything to jump in line. Fuck Jesus me. Christ. Okay, man, so... Get some fucking help, man. A MAC address is a hardware address that is assigned to the devices on a network. There's a logical address and there's a hardware address and the MAC address is that. Why they're using that is fucking beyond me. But I heard Tinfoil Tales this morning. I finished off the episode. And there was a bloke screaming about how graphene oxide gives you a MAC address, which then registers you onto a network through 5G networks. And, I mean, that's crazy. There's, like, where do you start with this? Like, everything about this was cooked. But, like, people believe this. That's oh, yeah. Fucked. Well, just going on the uh, Victorian state election, about 2% of uh, Victorians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything more than 10 people. Not being able to see through that obvious made-up bullshit is insane. And by the way, your friend doesn't exist, and if they do, they also need help. Yeah. Go and seek it together. Mm. So another project that's on the cards is the Six Cities Plan in New South Wales. I'm not going to go too long on this because we're kind of at the end here. But local government areas in Newcastle City, Wollongong, along that sort of coastline, they're planning to develop global cities. three cities, Joel. I can see a floor in the plan. Yeah, I know. Totally. I didn't bother. There was a whole bunch of these like big, long-named local areas, and I'm like, I'm not I'm not saying it. I'm not doing oh. it. I'm not going to spend 40 the, what's seconds. What's the term when cities merge? What do they call um, them? Megalopolises. Yeah. Amalgamated councils. No, no. Megalopolises. So Is that? Oh, okay. The first one was Bosnia Wash, which was Boston, I like the New Greek York, connotation of Megalopolis. Baltimore and Philly and other places thrown in. Uh, well, I tell you what, I could have easily have just put the local area councils in there instead. But they're planning to develop these sort of global cities outside the traditional CBD with airports, universities, training centres, employment opportunities, you know, all the bad things. And basically they want to ensure that Sydney doesn't sort of overheat and become the only place people want to live. They want to provide opportunities and value to these sort of regional areas. And cookers hate this. They fucking hate it. And why? <laughs> What? Because they live in Wollongong, Joel. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> which is a beautiful part of the world, by the way. Yes, don't just send us mail. Newcastle, Sydney, Wollongong, Newsy Wool. There you go. Oh. There's your name. You There's could get twenty thousand dollars for that. I tell yeah. you what, they paid a lot more for a lot less. I bet you they did. Yeah. No, I bet. I bet they will. They so will the, I mean, this is just just an absolute nonsense. And but they believe, you know, basically, you know, why won't be allowed to live in Western Sydney if you live in Western Sydney? Go and live in go and live in Wollongong. It's still pretty dear, by the way, but yes. it's much nicer. <laughs> yeah, there's a beach. You can hang out with Mark Southcott. Same with so, Newcastle, yes. The reason why they're upset with this is because they're fucking idiots. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's like right. they haven't even linked this to climate lockdowns, which I find fascinating because when with the six cities, I saw it coming up all the time, and I did like another Telegram search to sort of check it out. They're just angry about it. But like some posts, <laughs> just like the one above, where it's like, did you consent to this? They just link to the New South Wales government heads website with just like statements like, oh, yeah, this is the next agenda for New South Wales. 
There's nothing of substance. I saw a video. It was 30 minutes long. I watched maybe about 45 seconds of it. It went through a PowerPoint presentation where they didn't even bother doing a full screen. Like they still had it windowed and they just prattled on about Agenda 21. And I don't know why. They make all these bizarre reaches talking about the WEF and Rockefellers, mm-hmm. but there's no basis. It's not related to this plan. Not this- Rockefellers almost certainly don't have anything to do with this. It just doesn't really matter. And maybe there's advisory from some sort of international organization that has some sort of funding from Rockefellers. But at the end of the day, all it is is a bunch of local areas trying to make their areas better because that's what they're elected to do. So walking pit of psoriasis and sadness, Danny Searle, who is a pathological remarkably, liar and a fucking remarkably, who, who remains remarkably unarrested. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, really, he is... I think ASIO have tabs. That's all I'm going to say. He's called people to oppose the plan and gives links to the submission site because, of course, a council that upset, uh, accepts submissions for consultation, that's tyranny. That's that's the first sign of tyranny. Please yeah. give us feedback on this plan is the first step of Tyrants. tyranny. That's tyranny. Because, yeah. of course, then they'll take the email addresses and kill the people who sent the emails. I don't know. Either way, whinge, whinge, whinge. So the New South Wales government is about to get inundated with New World Order nonsense from Danny Searle wannabe fuckheads. And why? Because idiots like Danny Searle himself have a hobby cult That's and they the say stuff like this. But, like... He didn't even say why. He didn't even tell them why to oppose it. He was just like, here's where submissions are. It's probably bad. Good luck to you. Like, what? So <laughs> while governments bend over backwards to implement these sort of consultation plans, alongside these major developments and policy changes, this kind of weird backwards sort of paper terrorism style thing they do in the US means that open approach to democratic involvement is beca- it's going to become impossible. Because while governments can simply filter out bullshit by searching for submissions for certain items, I'd have a rule basically say Agenda 21's in the document, I just delete it immediately. Like just, just filter it out. Delete, 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 delete. But they should not have to deal with conspiratorial pests, pushing bullshit into the public arena and making it a part of essential political discourse. I mean, I could go on fucking days on this topic, but this episode is already almost pushing an hour and a half, so I'm not going to. But fuck me. But anyway... I'm going to close this by saying, in summary, climate lockdowns are not a thing. And anyone who tells you otherwise is fucking stupid, completely pilled, and making shit up. And if we moved in that direction, the backlash would be immense. I'd probably be a part of it, and you would be mad to even consider it. We live in fucking democracy. Imagine the walloping you would get if you tried to implement that. But it's not as much about a draconian plan from the dictatorial left to oppress people in the name of climate change, but more just a reflection of this sort of perpetual victim complex of the modern right and an insight into their paranoid, terrified brains. They live in a state of perpetual terror. Over the past few years, they've relied on this as a mental crutch, and now they need more reasons to believe that not only are they being persecuted, but also there are soldiers in a war. They're the fucking white hats. They're the heroes of their own story, but in reality, they are just disaster fantasists who can't be happy unless they're in a state of confected conflict. Mm. Perpetual confected conflict. They make this shit up to stabilise their psyche. It looks like this theory is only going to grow. And while climate lockdowns aren't even close to being a political agenda, this will be a consideration for public servants who are simply trying to improve their cities. Traffic mitigation plan, better get a fucking elite crack squad of bodyguards. I mean, a doctor in a supermarket within walking distance of a densely populated area is now tyranny. What do you do with that? What do you do with that discourse? It's just, 
Anyway, we will, as always, keep you updated with any developments in this area. We I will. am personally fascinated by this topic, so I will more than happily write a script on it. But hopefully that gives clarity to this newfound hysteria. And a few responses to any uncles and aunties. This one's not in time for Christmas, but just fuckheads who might have you on like an email chain forwarding you dopey emails about climate lockdowns. Maybe you can give them a bit of a one, two, three, four, fuck off. <laughs> and you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider, and Joel Hill. Jack, we found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with AK. Set up a Facebook page. You can find fairly easily. Conditional Release Program shitposting. It's really good fun. If you've enjoyed the episode, please share it on social media. Yes, please. And we have a Patreon, as we said at the front of the show, to help keep this sustainable. It's a labor of love with a U, a labor of love, which you have yes. done, Joel, very well. Uh, but very well done. <laughs> Big tick, big elephant stamp for you. You've for been Christmas. scarred by this episode. But, you All know, we still have fellow. to pay rent. And uh, so if you can uh, throw a few dollars away for, for as little as $5 a month, you'll have access to all sorts of bonus content, including a bi-weekly bonus episode of all the good shit that didn't make it into the main program. We try to make it worth your while, Joel. Yeah, sometimes we do it every week, but, you know, I like to hedge bets on that one. So, finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be, death threats should be sent to the commissioner release program at gmail.com. I'll be sentenced to death. See, I'm not even editing that out because it's the end of the episode. No one fucking listens. We would love to hear from you, even if you're planning to slap an ankle bracelet on me, trap me in my local area, because I'm 15 minutes away from fuck all. I don't This is bullshit. Damn you, Dan Andrews. Damn you, Dick to the Dan. Stop Thanks, trying listeners. to make my life more convenient. See you later. Thanks, listeners. listeners. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Cheers. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Fuck me, you guys are bastards.